Before we begin, we have a favor to ask. If you like this podcast, please help us spread the word about the show. Go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Another way is to tell a fellow art teacher. Either way, it helps others find the show. The Blocks, Paper, Scissors podcast has a lot of information regarding teaching art, not just for tab teachers, but for anyone who is looking to further their understanding of children in a choice-based classroom. This show is about finding new ways to engage children and help them find their voice through visual arts. Welcome to episode 14 of the Blocks, Paper, Scissors podcast. My name is Clark Fralick. And I'm Clyde Gaw. In this episode, we will have a great conversation with our special guest, Kathy Douglas. We will be focusing on starting a tab studio. Catherine Douglas is an American education pioneer. She has a long and illustrious career in art education. She is the co-author of Engaging Learners Through Art Making. She and Diane Jaquith are the principal founders of the Teaching for Artistic Behavior Approach to Art Education and the Teaching for Artistic Behavior Network. Catherine has researched, written, and presented on TAB practice and philosophy for over four decades. Catherine is a treasured friend and colleague. We are thrilled to have you on the show. Catherine, welcome to the Blocks Paper Scissors podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Clark and I are just thrilled that you can be here on the podcast with us. We owe you a great deal of gratitude for providing us with a, uh, a, a new approach to art education, one that, that we had been searching for for many years. And uh, when uh, Clark told me that he had ran into uh, some pioneer art educators in Massachusetts uh, back in 2003, I was very interested. And then, of course, uh, we all got to meet in Denver. Um, and uh, as Clark and I said on our first podcast, you and Diane and John Crow and Pauline Joseph, you had the plan. You had already uh, done extensive research and had this wonderful approach to curriculum already uh, in practice. Could you tell our listeners uh, how the concept of TAB came about? Well, I like to talk about that because it was a total stumbling accident. Um, I was had very traditional training in how to do elementary art with hundreds and hundreds of children, and I had a, a nice little portfolio of ready-made projects to share, and I ended up in a new job in a three-school district with only one elementary school with almost a thousand children oh in it. Oh my goodness. And very few materials. Um, previous art teachers had been um, dismissed. <laughs> um, and it was it was really being, you know, thrown into it. And so I really struggled with 
a terrible schedule. There was no time between classes. The classes were very large. Um, they didn't particularly value the art department. I was introduced to the staff as the new babysitter, and I just thought, I'm not going to survive this year. I One of my problems was I didn't have enough materials for everybody at once, and so sometimes I would have to divide the, the children in half. Um, another problem that I think a lot of teachers have, it was sort of like cooking Thanksgiving dinner. Um, not everybody could be ready and finished at the same time. And so I had children who were done really quickly and began bouncing around the room and other children who would cry at the end of class because they needed more time. So I had a hard time dealing with that. And, you know, anybody who teaches art, you manage the time, you manage the space, the materials, you figure out what you're going to teach, and you provide the spirit. And so I was struggling with all of those things. And um, I did have a colleague who came down and worked with me one day a week who was a practicing artist. And he was very critical of my projects. And eventually, he showed me a plan for doing an art camp in the summer where there would be multiple choices and the children could choose and move around. And uh, that ended up happening. And that was so much better than what was going on in class um, that I imported it into, you know, my year's work. So I guess that's how it started really in the early 70s and quite a bit not what I had planned. It was really just a survival mechanism initially. And then after a while you think, oh, well, maybe this is actually a good thing. So that's how it started. So it's it's nice to hear that. You know, this is such a ground roots or a um, grassroots um, development from a need. You know, what is it? Necessity is the mother of invention. So out of need (laughs) that you found this way that is now exploding into, you know, such a popular way with, you know, how to teach children. Uh, Well, it's interesting because I did it so badly at the beginning because I hadn't the faintest idea what I was doing. So something would go badly. And I guess I did have the mindset that this was not bad students. It was incorrect teaching. Mm -hmm. That was just how I was wired to approach it. So something wouldn't go well. I said, okay, let's do that differently. So having done it badly, maybe... 150 times, I gradually uh, found things that did work. And when something went well, I did more of that and and so on. Um, and so it, it got better and better as time went on. So probably about three years in, I was feeling like I had my sea legs. But I was very lonely because it was just me. And the other people in my district um, did not do this. Um, but I remember thinking to myself, well, you know, I don't want to do anything here that would offend an artist, you know. So what artists do? And I thought about that a long time. Um, and I really felt that my students should be the artists because it certainly wasn't going to be me. I was just kind of directing traffic. Um, and so in those days, I called it the two-sentence curriculum, um, just being all alone. Now, gradually, along came the Internet and other colleagues and John and Pauline and... Um, 
suddenly I was learning from them and they were learning from me and it was amazing how much I didn't know that I knew then. And then when we started uh, presenting, um, that's when it really grew. Uh, and, and then I didn't feel lonesome. And I think that's one of the most important things in my post-teaching practice is building community because it's really hard to do this sort of thing by yourself. Um, and, and I believe that art teachers are the most isolated educators because usually the music department has a whole bunch of people and the phys ed department, you've got all those coaches, but the art teachers are usually solo acts in the elementary school. And I think the fact that this is grassroots and with all the teacher-to-teacher business, um, that uh, people aren't alone anymore. And people are doing it so much better now than I ever did. Yeah, you. Um, there's one thing you mentioned that I want to I want to hit on that that you know Clyde and I, as we start talking about our um, the topic today, is is that you know we all start off at a, at ground zero, and that we really don't know what we're doing because every situation is different and every group of kids is different, and you can't right. approach things in a standard. I mean standard way that you know just like every educator is taught no two classes are the same uh, when you get into yeah that's very very true and and uh, teaching for artistic behavior presents very differently from classroom to classroom with the through line of course being what do artists do the child is the artist and the latest edition the classroom is the child's studio and that can look so differently depending on what Tito London calls the genius of place you know and and the artist studio how many artist studios are are the same as as everybody else's studio absolutely um, so i think that's that, i think that's what makes it work and the teachers who are attracted to this and not everybody's attracted to it which is fine tend to be people who very much want to create their own practice. They they don't want to be like everybody else. And I think that's that is uh, a a quality that the people we've ended up working with which now, you know, number in the hundreds. Uh that quality I believe they all share. They're not looking for a recipe or a teacher's guide in the back of the book um, or even a very rigid curricular schedule. Yeah, we do. We do notice that uh, as we, as more teachers are inquiring about tab, you know, that's one of the hardest things that we find, or at least I find, having to uh, mentor them is that concept of, you know, trying to put together something very quick and something. It's almost like a quick injection of of teaching yeah. for artistic behavior and it just there isn't a uh, a, a you know there isn't a magic bullet that you can just drop into a classroom and say that's Voila. right there's no package they right. can't there's order no package. the package <laughs> no because the, the package itself is is customized to each individual classroom and each individual teacher in each right. individual school so it, you so know. that takes a very special kind of teacher you have to really be Curious, flexible, um, and a student of your own teaching. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, definitely. Curious. And a harsh critic 
of yourself, which I was for the whole 37 years, because I was still making mistakes the last year. Um, something I noticed um, probably about eight, eight to ten years in um, was what my students were actually doing, which was they were coming into the room and they were they would come in with an idea, and because they were familiar with the setting of the studio, they could go around and get the tools, materials, and sometimes references that they needed. And then they had the time to dive in and explore that idea. And a lot of times things didn't go so well, which in my studio classroom, that was like a future aha moment. Uh-oh, you're struggling. Let's talk about that. Anybody have a have a strategy? You know, this is this is what artists do is they struggle, they start over, they mess up. Um, and sometimes they decide that this was a bad idea entirely and they walk away. And that's okay, too. But they, that's how the exploration takes place. And then what I think was really important was that the student decided when it was finished. Um, because in my early teaching, somebody would bring something up and it wasn't time to clean up yet. So I would invent some phony thing mm-hmm. that I wanted them to do so to keep them working longer, <laughs> which of course is, is not an artistic behavior. Right. So that no one is finished to put away all the materials in a wonderful way because you love those materials because you chose them, Um, to think about what happened, to reflect on it, maybe to share what happened, and then to decide what's next. And I call those the seven things that I observed, even first graders, learning to be able to do. And when I looked at it from a distance, I realized that in traditional art and practice, um, the teacher does almost all of that. So So, the beauty of tab practice is the child comes to class with an active mind and mm -hmm. already has opportunity to engage in higher level thinking skills without uh, uh, without having to go through an instructional period. They can immediately enter into a creative uh, frame of mind uh, and, and a creative experience. And um, and that's so true. And of course, here's the other side of the coin, is that sometimes an artist comes into the studio with an empty head and with no idea. So we would also spend a lot of time talking about the experimental stage, the looking around, maybe working with a friend for a while. I think one of the most difficult things for students in schools that is not an artistic thing is that for 40 minutes every Wednesday at 11 a.m., they are supposed to make art on demand. And I think you and I know it just doesn't work like that. So um, that was an okay thing, but there were lots of options for students who weren't there yet. And there was always something new that I would get up and show for the beginning of the class. All because my children were beginners, all of my classes started with what I called the five-minute demo, which really was five minutes. They couldn't stand me for more than that. And um, so if someone came in and they really hadn't thought about it and they didn't have an idea, the default was, here's something new that you can experiment with or try. So that really kept it to very few children who really needed um, 
guidance to get started. So each class would start with that, but usually five or six kids would choose it. Everybody else is going to work in progress, things that are around the room, but all the things around the room had already been introduced with a five-minute demo. I, I ran a very tight ship. I was a bossy person, <laughs> and other people do it differently than I did, but that's what I did. Um, and so this way there was a lot of teaching going on. A lot of but, teaching um, and a lot of learning. Yeah. And, of course, um, uh, the learning was certainly not all from me because they only gave me five minutes, you know. So people would say, well, how did people learn? And so they would learn from the demo, um, but they could and they could learn from me. And sometimes that was one-on-one -on -one or in a small group. But in the centers, there were always directions. And in my, my school, there were always pictures and words. Um, but they mostly learned from each other. And children would rise up in the classroom as being better at a particular thing than anybody else. And generally, these children loved being a coach. I used, I used that word a lot. If you need some coaching, which seemed less threatening maybe than you need help. Because, you know, you're not helpless, but maybe you need a little coaching. And so they would work with each other quite a bit. And a lot of these children who were really good at these things um, were struggling and or failing in their academic classrooms. So that was a really intense thing for them uh, to take charge of teaching things. Mm -hmm. Children learned from the resources. They would use all the stuff that every art teacher has in the room, but they would be choosing what they wanted to see. And, of course, they taught themselves. So the artists want to know how to do something, and a lot of times they just figure it out. And then I could always take, I could always observe and see, wow, look what these students know over here. And then I could also say, whoa, this is a disaster over there. <laughs> I'd better schedule a demo. So it was very easy to assess, and I'm not talking report cards, but to, to assess what needed to be done. Well, that you bring up report cards in, in, in today's data-driven education uh, realm, it seems everything's about data. And, and even, you know, people ask me, well, how do you, you know, how do you teach using data? And we're always yeah, trying to invent new ways to come up with some, you know, we play the game of data. So I can play a game. And I've, I told my principal that, you know, I can come up with anything. I can, you know, and if, yeah. if you want this, I can give it to you, but it's not necessarily something I might yeah. use. But that's just, in, you know, in the society or in our educational communities, everything's about data and, and using data. And, you know, we have meetings about data, and I'm just, I could just be bored Right. Uh, you know, so people think of data and they're thinking of numbers and things like that. I'm thinking in pictures. This is data. Right. And and yeah. That's how I meet that criteria. I use pictures and I can show a lot and just with that that information. I know Clyde's done some stuff uh some, some interesting uh, uh research and with I'm that. the last person you want to talk to about um, sharing assessment because I was assessing with the kids all the time. You know why? Why? 
why do you think that didn't work or what brush would you think would do better and so on. Um, I did not report to the parents, um, uh, but there were ways that we kept track of what centers everybody had gone to. That was really easy. And as much as possible, anything that I had to keep track of, um, there were easy ways for the students to actually do the keeping track, mm-hmm. which meant them made them much more aware of of um, what they were doing and when they were doing it. But I seriously am not the person to talk about um, what's going on today with assessment, but I can say that it's as different as every district. So there's not one true way um, to accede to those requirements, either as a TAB teacher or as a traditional teacher. One thing we noticed after we started implementing centers back in 2004 uh, and um, using TAB learning environments, creating a laboratory for creativity using Kathy Douglas and Diane Jaquist's model for art education was the, uh, the data that we were collecting was visual data with photography uh, and mm-hmm. qualitatively uh, those photographs are vivid, uh, uh, vivid evidence of uh, yeah. en- engagement and uh, creative activity. Um, you know, I cannot tell you how impressive uh, a uh, the working portfolios were that we kept uh, of of children uh, engaged in art making in and around the classroom. So Clark alluded to visual visual data. Uh, Kathy Douglas gift. To, to me was uh, the uh, the children's faces of uh, astonishment and discovery and joy in the art, in the mm-hmm. art room and the f- photographs that I took of them and so that's uh, that's I, I think that that visual data is so compelling uh, I want to thank you Kathy for uh, providing us with that opportunity well, it, it, to me, you know, the, the portfolio which comes out of the art world is, you know, it comes and goes, but it's recognized as an authentic way to see what a student knows and can do. And so why we are sometimes forced as a, or feel that we have to use the same um, documentation that a math teacher might use. Yes. Um, is is kind of a sorry state, but I think I think we're getting good at advocating for um, things that make sense. Um, someone and I don't remember who um, queried on one of our groups. Um, at what point can I start seeing significant work in my students? And the answer, which could have been you, Clark, I'm not sure, was significant work for a first grader is actually figuring out how to tie a knot or, you know, the appropriate, how to get the top off that glue. This is all a big deal. It's all learning and it's all significant to the child. And so we look at the learning instead of looking at the thing that Mm -hmm. emerged from the learning. Right. And as Nan Hathaway says, the thing is not the thing. The student is the thing. Yes. Yeah, that's right. We don't teach art. We teach students. And, you know, and, and being this the beginning of the year and we get a fresh new group of young kindergarten, you know, it's always yeah. it's always 
gives me a, a good kick in the pants, you know, because you're back again starting at, at yeah. zero oh, no. with that group. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's exciting, yet it's also um, hair pulling. I have no hair, so I really can't <laughs> use that. Um, but, you know, just to get showing kids how to take yeah. care of the materials, you know, because they're coming into a new environment and something that most of them are not accustomed to and having free reign, you know, it's like, well, here, use these. Well, my mother says I'm not allowed to. Why? Because I might hurt myself. I said, well, I'll watch you and make sure that you do things well. And just building mm-hmm. confidence in their abilities to do the small things. Um, sharpening Absolutely. pencils by themselves, you know, without supervision, giving them, let them take those risks that their parents aren't always over them and, you know, seeing how they grow and, you know. Yeah, that's great. Kathy, I've got a quick question for, well, it's not really a mm-hmm. quick question. Clyde doesn't know any quick questions. Um, and forgive me. Um, but this it's the beginning of the year, the school year, and we have numerous tab teachers or what we would call newbies, uh, new, new teachers interested in tab. What do you think is a good way to begin a tab practice if you're an interested art educator? Well, I would say the absolute first thing is do the research. And, you know, our, we have extensive resources, 90% of which are free, and the other 10% are very inexpensive and readable. Um, you absolutely have to do that um, before you start, because it isn't like what you've done before. And yet, I always tell people, start where you are. Um, you start with entry-level materials that really don't need any instruction, because the beginning of the year what you're going to be teaching is this is what is in a center, this is how you access it, this is how you put it away, this is where you put it when it's done, this is what a demo is, this is how you come into the room, um, this is how you move from center to center, because it's not only new to you, but it's new to the students, although it will come more naturally to the students than to you, the new teacher. Um, and so entry-level materials open things very, offer things very gradually, don't talk very long. React to everything you see. And let's say if it doesn't go well, do it differently. If it does go well, do more of that. Um, and continually uh, be the scientist um, in the laboratory of learning, that, as Clyde says. But start, start. If you have things, if you have materials that you are very comfortable with, start with them. Um, you only need... A few choices, you always need 2D and 3D, but start small because any openness that you offer to your children, they won't be jaded yet. They'll go, well, really? We can do this or that? Um, so that's my advice. That's my advice. And just stay calm, let them play, um, pay attention, ask questions, and uh, react to what you see. Don't give up. I know when uh, when I first started experimenting with a tab layout in my room, I I just had a drawing center 
and a painting center and a cardboard construction center. And that kept, that kept me moving along for a long time. And then for some reason, we discovered blocks. And then it was like, you know, then I'm like, oh, my gosh, what did Kathy Douglas and Diane Jacobs do to me? And then, of course, <laughs> you know, it was like a revelation. It's like the, uh, the natural capacity for creativity is, was unleashed in my room, and I was astonished. And, of course, I had, lucky for me, I had Clark Freilich to, you know, to have conversations with. And, you know, we were sharing similar stories. It's, yeah, I would say my other advice is don't do it alone. Yeah, I was just going to mention and, that. And, Go ahead. Yeah, um, there's no need to do it alone because of the virtual connections that we set up. And once you set those up, you can usually also find a real, a real actually in the same airspace person to share with. Right. Find a person that you trust that you know, you can go to and ask and not feel attacked. And be proactive. That's another thing. Um, You can say to your principal, I'm doing these things for this reason. I will be accountable. If it doesn't work, I'm going to tweak it, and I'm going to make you look good. I think most principals appreciate teachers who are proactive and, and take that tack towards, hey, if I mess up, I'm accountable. I'll change it, as opposed to just assuming that everything's top down. Julie Tould has a a wonderful advocacy program for TAB teachers, and she says, you know, if you're interested in making the change, to make an appointment with your principal and uh, and talk it over with your principal. And I think that's that's a good way a good way to start. Yeah, people do it in every way. Of course, my principal. Um, was tricky at times, but what I had figured out was he liked, he didn't like surprises, he liked things in writing. So he would get bullet points from me, and then he'd be fine. But some other principal may need to have the long conversation. You know, we're, we're good at that stuff. We're teachers. We're good at, uh, human relationships, and those will never be more important. Absolutely. This is so nice. I so love talking to you guys, and I can't even see you. I know it's it's kind of strange. So, if thinking about the last forty years that you've taught or been involved in teaching for artistic behavior, what is something that you think that we could have that could have changed differently for Tab? Or I wish I hadn't been by myself so long. Oh no, because that you know, and that was just because it it really was a very slow process that is not necessary anymore. Um, and I always wish I could pull back my first three years of students and say, let's do that one again. I owe you a really good art class. But other than that, um, I'm happy with the way it evolved, and it would not have evolved if you took, you know, there's a group of about a dozen people who were there early on, and if you took any one of those people out of the mix, uh, we wouldn't be where we are today, um, and you two are high on the list. So I'm very I'm grateful for that. This was never a one-person deal. I think it is a model for teacher excellence and teacher self-reliance and self-creation of pedagogy. Yeah, I, I would have to agree because everyone that I've ever dealt with with TAB, 
either old or new, they've they've really taken it to heart. And I know our conversations were really deep. It was about teaching art and about getting kids to be to learn to be creative and and express themselves. So. You know, I, I really appreciate well, that. Thank you early. so much. I'm going to have to say goodbye now. Uh, <laughs> we are so but, thrilled that we got a chance to talk with you, Kathy. Well, thank you, guys. All right. Thank you, Kathy. We'll see you later, Bye-bye. Kathy. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. What do you think about our conversation with Catherine Douglas? We've been, we, it took us 13 recordings. 13 to, months to. 13 months well, to. Well, did we, was it, we, had the idea to get her that idea for or number four. It only took us 13 episodes to get Kathy on the... Uh, it took us six episodes to get Diane. So we got Kathy in 13. That's pretty good. Custodian's your best friend. Right. Art teacher's best, fr- best friend. Buy him cookies, donuts, whatever it requires. Because then they'll come into your room after paper smashé or when first graders start learning to cut and do hole punches. That's very nice. Look what I can do. Look what I can do. <laughs> I had a student try to hole punch another student the other day. Oh, really? Yeah. Flesh? First time in 25 years, yeah. She left a big red dot right oh, on her arm. Curiosity and, has, yeah. has got the better like, of her. Honey, you can't do that. Has anybody stapled their finger lately? <laughs> and we haven't got staples out yet. I had a kid face plant. <laughs> Hooked his feet inside the stool and uh-huh. leaned forward too far. <laughs> that sounds like a topic for a future podcast. Yeah, safety in the tab classroom. Yes. Yes. I'm not kidding. Don't don't get near Mr. Gauze's death trap of a paper cutter. Uh, so <laughs> Jaws. Nobody's gotten cut yet, so. But it looks scary. I thought you got rid of that one, the one without a spring. <laughs> Remember the one at New Pal? That didn't. Uh, the spring was broken, so you could lift up the handle yeah. and it would drop. Yeah, it's uh, it's been retired. Oh, good. <laughs> it's probably in the back of your van. It is. You, it still cuts cardboard. Yeah. <laughs> Adult use only. So let's think about starting a tab studio. As Kathy mentioned uh, earlier, she said research. Research is very important in figuring out what tab is and if it's a good fit for you. I know some teachers won't work for them, no matter how hard they try. And I'd rather see them not say they're a tab teacher and try to do it and do it wrong and call it tab than to do it badly. The thing about teaching for artistic behavior is it takes a lot of, you have to give up a lot of control yeah. when doing a tab studio and trusting kids. You know, I think trust is very, very important. Yeah. Having the mindset of trust, trusting mm-hmm. a child and also caring. Trusting and caring, yeah. Trust so, and care. I don't know very many teachers who say, well, I'm not a caring teacher. Yeah. But understanding you can't just take anyone and say, I'm going to do it this way. There's a lot of insight that a teacher has to come to in order to do a tab studio. And I think when you come to that insight, like you and I did, 
when we're looking at students' work and we're really disappointed. It's not students' fault. It's how they were taught. It's the system they were in saying, this isn't how I want kids to learn. And so we we came to that moment and said, we're going to change. And like Kathy said, it takes a while. I mean, I'm still learning and tweaking my studio. There's things that I can learn from new tab teachers who just are aware of, of see things a little bit different than I do. You know, I might not have thought of it last year or the year before, but looking at how some teachers do, I think it might work. So I give it a try. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But that's something that I've tried and learned that didn't work, and I can put that away so I can always bring it back if I need to. I'm still learning, too. That's And I'm borrowing ideas wherever, and, you know, from other teachers, see good things on mm-hmm. the, uh, the different... Uh, forums that we uh, are, are on and um, tab tab educator forums great Kathy runs a Facebook uh, forum uh, that she posts a lot of stuff on that's great all the other uh, the tab pages are tremendous uh, tricks and uh, Resource, resources yeah. lots of teachers doing a yeah. lot of unique and interesting things uh, things to to right. pump, to uh, pump up their programs if you know with respect to tab but you got to do your research and don't just expect to get a couple of things from the tab page and jump right into it i mean you have to be mentally ready to experience something that is completely different and it will probably knock you down a few pegs uh, when you do it i think we read daily of teachers who go into teaching tab and fail that's that's just normal it's good to fail yeah you're not going to be perfect and like kathy said it took her three years um so you know do your research read books read uh, engaging learners from kathy douglas that was the original tab book and then diane and nan wrote the self-directed learner. self-directed learner which would be like the second book you should read mm-hmm. And they're not heavy reads, but it's not something you would want to sit down and read and put away. It's like a Bible. It's a tab Bible. You know, you always have to have it to go back and reference to. Read those two books. There's a lot of other books out there that you could read. Ian Sands and Melissa Pertie have a, have a new book I out. I have a new book that's, um, that's high school, mm-hmm. more geared for secondary, which is a good book. Oh yeah, uh, Ann Bedricks. Ann Bedricks. Um, uh, she has had a wonderful iBook um, t- entitled "Choice Without Chaos." Choice Without Chaos. That, that's it. And uh, and that's really nice because it not only does it have visuals, it also has a video. Yeah. And so you can see. But again, reading these books and thinking about these books, there isn't one right way to do things. Mm-hmm. And so you, you, if you take all the information and whittle it down and find what works for you using everything as a resource, mm-hmm. you're going to find the fit. You're going to find what works for you. Find a person who can be your sounding board, mm-hmm. um, be it an art teacher, probably an art teacher, uh, that teaches tab that you trust, that kind of speaks to you in, in, in your language. Um, and you'll find those on the Facebook page. Uh, everything you read is not necessarily a pr- 
appropriate. You need to find someone who teaches in your same grade level, find someone who has a little more experience than, you know, I just started TAB this year and I'm an expert. It doesn't work that way. Face-to-face conversation, person-to-person interaction. Go to your local conferences, find people in your state. That is the best. Yeah. Um, Digital interaction, nice. Get a lot of information, but there's no substitute for the real thing. Find someone who teaches it and go visit their classroom and talk to them. Attend uh, a TAB regional conference. There's a wonderful regional conference coming up in uh, Colorado soon. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think on uh, their summertime, which we in the end of summer, but there have been many wonderful regional conferences. St. Louis. St. Louis, Texas has a a really nice one from I understand. Um, Texas Tab Lab. I I think you, you, did you attend that one? Yes. You were a keynote or special guest? Special guest. It was fabulous. Um, I mean, you know, the Tab teachers down in, in Austin, you know, they organized their own TAB conference because they at their state conference they wanted more TAB and they weren't getting it so they organized their own conference and that's what we see groups throughout the U.S. and probably internationally too mm-hmm. um, you know they're organizing their own conferences and uh, that are specific to TAB so if, if you could organize one or participate in one or attend one I think that's that's the best thing. Yeah, so my advice would be, you know, don't go into it thinking this is something that you're going to just implement within two weeks. It's it's on the long haul. And do your research. Visit uh, Tabstock or the um, Boston Tab Institute, um, the, mo- uh, the most complete and best tab education you'll ever get. There is uh, no substitute for being in oh and you can moment. also listen to blocks paper scissors too. <laughs> <laughs> no it's just, just no no substitute uh with, we could we could name off also wisconsin tab teachers wisconsin uh, uh michigan apparently is doing one uh, nor yeah they just they just did one yeah. michigan tab teachers i think did kentucky one. did one um I don't know if they've done it. Southeastern, lately. South, yeah, Southeast Tab. Uh-huh. Uh, Joni Honeycutt Huff does was doing one uh, with uh, Southeast Tab mm-hmm. teachers. Uh, let's see. Um, I think ca- California, Oregon, uh, Seattle, Washington. Uh, um, Cynthia Gobb. Uh, I I think she's. I know Cynthia's involved in her state art education association. But she's always available in the Seattle area to do mentoring. I know she mentors teachers up there. Mm-hmm. So TAB regional conferences popping up all over the place. And there's, I'm sure if you check your art education conference, there's going to be somebody talking about TAB. And it's just something that's really people see a, a lot of worth in it. So they're really excited about it. Chicago, Chicago Land has their own tab group. They meet at a at a local restaurant, and uh, and also do extended uh, meetings mm-hmm. whenever they can. Well, this is our fourteenth episode, starting year two. Yeah, and you know, 
learning along the way. Hopefully, yeah. people I've talked to said they've enjoyed listening to us, believe it or not. <laughs> I don't know why. Well, I thought we had a really nice conversation with Kathy Douglas. We had a really nice one with Diane last yeah. last year. And now we have a nice one with Kathy. It's good always talking to her. I've, I haven't talked to her in a while, but... I think, One of these days I'll get out to Boston and maybe to the Institute or the... I think um, we should get both of them together in a telephone That could be scary. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to wrap this episode up. I want to thank you all for listening. Clyde, do you have anything else you want to say? We can't thank Kathy Douglas enough for appearing on the show. And uh, we look forward to having a conversation with Kathy again. See you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Blocks Paper Scissors podcast. If you have a question or topic you would like Clark and Clyde to discuss, please send it to Clyde at cgaw at newpal.k12.in.us. The Blocks, Paper, Scissors podcast is available from Podbean and iTunes. I'm just sick of all the amateur stuff, you know? I mean, like, if I'm paying top dollar, I want a little production value, you know, like some... Editing, transition, something, some music. Yeah, you know, well, I'm sorry, Evan, that the Coen brothers don't direct that I watch. They're hard to get a hold of, okay?